Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, listeners. I hope you're well. You are tuned into yet again, another installment of the Beautiful Game podcast and Eurosport collaboration bringing you coverage of this year's Euros 2020. Now, we have a slightly different episode for you today in that we are going to be previewing the uh, next round of fixtures, which of course is uh, the quarterfinals. And we're going to be speaking about our predictions and how we see each of these fixtures going. As ever, I'm your host, Budge, and I'm joined by my faithful co-conspirators, Dot and Ola from Eurosport Boys. Are we very well this morning? All good, brother. Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Great stuff. So let's get into this. Um, And of course, the first game that we need to chat about is the game between England and Ukraine. Interestingly, the only other time England have met Ukraine uh, at a major tournament uh, was in the group stages of Euro uh, Euro uh, 2012. And that game finished uh, 1-0. I know England love a binary score. It's always 0-0, 1-0, all that sort of stuff. But it was courtesy of a Wayne Rooney goal. Um, And Ukraine... Love Wayne Rooney. (laughs) 100%. Ukraine have only scored three goals in their seven previous meetings versus England and have never scored more than one in a match. Now, of course, we're going to talk about how we anticipate things going and whatnot. But England are going into this game with a very solid record, having not conceded so far at the Euros. Ukraine not scoring more than one against England previously. You know, can we see already potentially uh, how this one could 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 uh, end up going? Dot, let let us know what your thoughts are on on this one going into this. Yeah, this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be tough. It's going to be physical. I think one goal is probably going to do it either way. Mm. Yeah, I don't expect it to be one of the matches of the tournament. I expect it to be very tactical. I expect Ukraine to be defensively solid, you know, compact and not really give England's creative players any space. Um, But I think eventually England's quality will probably shine through and England hopefully get the win. Mm. 100%. And and going to you now, Ola, we were talking a little bit off air about the kind of formation that Southgate goes with. Um, do you think going into this game is going to be a matter of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's going to be more of the same. And I think for the most part, we 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 are probably all in agreement in terms of 
the the for, the the, uh, the personnel that Southgate is going to go with. But I think that the the key question is who is played in those three positions behind Harry Kane, who we expect to start up top. And so, how do you see that going in terms of the the, the picks for those three positions? It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think he's like we said, like one is hard to predict Gareth Southgate. We can never predict who his lineup is going to be. Um, but so far he's got it spot on, like almost almost exactly spot on. And his changes have have been also spot on when it, during the match, managing the match as well. Um with those three with those three behind Harry Kane, we've got a lot of creative, amazing players. <clears throat> a lot of people that we thought we should have seen, but then uh, they're still available on the bench, a lot of fresh legs. But I do think he's going to go with the people that he's played before and he's trusted before. I think Saka's definitely taken his chance. I think he's almost a guaranteed starter, at least. Um, Raheem ha- is going to start. He has to start. There's no way he's dropping Raheem Sterling for anything. Um, and then that leaves uh, Jack Grealish, that leaves um, Phil Foden, that leaves um, Mason Mount. We haven't seen a lot as well. Um, there is a lot of potential within that front, within that three supporting Harry Kane. Um, but I do think, I do think Saka is definitely nailed on to start and Sterling's nailed on to start. The other, the other position, that, that final third spot is actually up for grabs. Um, mm. But in a game like this, against a pragmatic counter-attacking Ukraine, I, I would like to see someone who is either efficient at moving the ball and, and making key passes and or someone who is great at winning free kicks. And that, that only leads to one man. That's the one man that we all love is Jack Grealish. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. he can do a good number in securing position high up, high up at the pitch. So mm. even if he's left on his devices, Kane's dropped off to do what he wants to do. And Jack's gone up to, to, to win a ball and then get a free kick. That secures us position. I think that's going to be very key to keep Ukraine away from our goal. Mm. Um, again, the counter-attack is, is really frightening for me. I think Sinchenko has got incredible mentality. He's a decent cross and pass of the ball, and he's pretty much a second captain for this team. So I think like he is uh, a dangerous player to look out for. Um, so I think having someone like Jack to win position, to win balls, to win those three kicks, even if we're not going to be spectacular at set pieces, I still think he's going to be a key, key player. Mm. I think, Bud, you mentioned about, you know, the scores being one nil, nil, nil. I think if you want to stop that trend, you put all the attackers on in this game because we all know that Ukraine are not going to possess the biggest, you know, attacking threat in terms of quality. For example, when you're against Germany, you can understand why you're Mm. playing the three at the back with the two defensive midfielders. But here, I would say, you know what, Jack Grealish, you're playing, Phil Foden, you're playing, Mason Mount, you're playing, but you're playing deeper. Calvin Phillips is next to you. Ryan Sterling, you're on the pitch. Harry Kane, let's take this team to the sword. Let's show what we're about. Let's put out a statement why we can potentially be champions. And I think England needs to try and win this game convincingly because if they do, I think they send a lot of warning signs to the rest of the tournament. Mm, 100%. That's a very interesting point, actually, there, Dot. Uh, and, and still on the, to- the topic of the start in 11, you know, we were talk- we've been speaking about uh, consistency and continuity and whatnot, and and we found a very good pair that works quite well in Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice, and the fact that they have all the legs to get up and down. You know, they're covering so much ground, um, and and have you know really been the you know the heart of that engine room in 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 the midfield, but we have seen 
uh, you know, certain players start to get leggy, you know, uh, people pulling up with injuries, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, pulling muscles and, and hamstrings and all that kind of stuff. And so thinking about the stage of the tournament now and, 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 and obviously trying to plan ahead, do you continue with that same um, pair in midfield? Do you look at potentially bringing one off um, uh, later on in, in, in the game? Um, how, how would you sort of, sort of deal with and navigate that situation? Of course, you you know, um, uh, Henderson, um, he's fit, but he hasn't played much. Do you, do you go and do you start him? Do you bring him on? Like, what, how, how do you deal with that situation, Doc? I think the one thing about Jordan Henderson is that he's not going to let you down. For me, he's the captain of the team. I know Harry Kane wears the armband, but we all know how important Jordan Henderson is in the dressing room. Mm. And it's not just that. He's got the quality. His passing ability is one of the best. His tackling ability, he's an engine room. He offers leadership on the pitch. So bringing him in is a win for England, regardless mm. of how good Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips are playing, because I'm, I'm massive fans of them. I'm big on them. I've said it all to them and that mm. for me, that is a solid base. And if you want to win tournaments, you need a solid base. And that's what they offer. Yes, they may be a, a bit more adventurous on the ball, but they're not in the team to do that. And they're doing the job that the manager wants them to do. But as for rotating the midfield, I think there's an opportunity here. England are the better team than Ukraine. Mm-hmm. England have better talent, better quality all over the pitch. Make some changes, play attacking football, put out a statement. And let's go to the finals. I love that mentality. Oh, I love oh, that mentality. Shit. Yeah, and, and to, to grow on it, I think you've convinced me to start Henderson, at least start him, see how well he goes. Can he reach mm-hmm. 60 minutes? Can he reach half time? That sort of thing. And then bring on Rice to shore it up because, yeah, we saw Rice go down with some cramp in the Germany game and he had an outstanding game in that Germany game. If we can get him rested a little bit, back fit, active, and then also if he comes in around halftime, around that 60 minutes and he's got energy, then that's perfect. But then also at the same time, in a game, in, in, in knockout football, you ha- summertime, you have to grow into the game. And if you're slow to react and slow to grow into the game, you might not actually get into it. So it might mm. be a tricky if he did come on at halftime, uh, around 60 minutes to, to support Henderson or to take on that role, especially mm. to the level. Um, and especially with Henderson coming back from an injury, not being 1,000% fully fit, um, but still able to do a job, uh, it could be interesting and it could be detrimental if he if he does come on at that time and he's not fully fit, not really fully ready. So that could be the argument to start Rice. But for me, I think Calvin Phillips has done an amazing job. I think he's also a little bit fresher than Declan at the moment. Um, and he's also got the ability to do both. So he can be a bit more adventurous, as we've seen. And he also can sit deeper, um, be a bit of a shield. He loves a, a strong challenge, and I love that too. <laughs> so I think yeah, we've got yeah. some, versatility, some versatility and uh, some support uh, with Calvin Phillips on the, on the, on the field. So I yeah. think, yeah, there's, there's options, there's scope. Um, but again, we can't write off this Ukraine land. We yeah, cannot. They're yeah, going to go yeah. at it. They're going to go at it. Fearless. Yeah, the the thing is, the last one on this, I think with Ukraine, their mentality is to just drag teams down to their level. And if you start getting into a slugfest with them, you're going to be in this. <laughs> you're going to see some problems. And 
I think the one thing England need to avoid is giving away silly set pieces because this Ukraine team, they can cause some serious, serious damage. Yamalenka, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to the the next game I wanted us to chat about is the, for for me, is is the pick of the bunch. I'm not going to lie. Belgium and Italy is going to be an absolutely tasty affair, right? And... Um, both of these teams have uh, faced each other at major tournaments on four previous occasions and Italy have never lost. They've actually uh, won three and drawn one. And and this is the fourth um, tournament consecutively that Italy have reached a quarterfinal of the, of the Euros. Um, and each of their, their previous three appearances at this stage have been decided by a penalty shootout which is very, very interesting. But I think, I mean, looking at the, how dominant they've been so far this, this tournament, I think it's, it's hard to see this game going to, uh, to, to penalties. Also with how um, free-flowing Belgium's attacking play has been as well, right? But I guess the, the key talking point ahead of this is the, around the availability of uh, Kevin De Bruyne and, and Eden Hazard. And it's going to go right up to the wire um, f- before we, we we know whether or not they're going to be featuring in this game, uh, if they are fit, um, o- 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 like how do you see this game uh, p- uh, panning out? We talked about uh, our terrible predictions off air <laughs> and how hard it has been to predict. But Bridge, I think you've been clairvoyant on this one. I'm going to say it's going to go to penalties. Like this is a tight, right. tight game. Italy are. Um, they're fluid. They're not actually as defensive as they've been uh, traditionally, um, but they are pragmatic and they're they're wily. They're very smart. They're very experienced, and they know how to play tournament football. They've got an excellent manager, an excellently styled manager, and they know how to uh, they know how to play ball. Um, Belgium. I need my big cousin Rom to really <laughs> to really. <laughs> To really, uh, to really put the team on his back because he's not going to have um, Kevin De Bruyne, um, I don't think, um, at least to start the game. And he's not going to have Eden Hazard. It's going to be very similar to the Denmark game where they're going to be starting from the bench um, if they are fit. And I think even if they're not fit, I think they're going to definitely come off the bench because it's Italy's side are no slouches at all. Mm. Um, it's going to be a very, very tough game. It's either going to be really, really fluid and have quite a few goals or it's going to have pretty much no goals at all. Um, but either way, I still see this going all the way to the wire, going to penalties um, okay. because it is, it's going to be like a boxing match and it's decided on points. They're going to last the whole yeah. 10 rounds and we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of danger. There's a lot of potential on the, on the pitch. Obviously you've got Lukaku, you've got talking Hazard who's playing amazing. And also you've got the, the, the talents of that Belgian squad, even if they haven't, shown up amazingly so far. You've still got Yuri Tielemans, who's amazing. Mm. Therese Mertens is really, really handy. Um, a lot of these players are very, very, very talented and mm. they can all change the game. Italy are probably the most complete squad and the complete team at this yeah. tournament. And you've seen yeah. them playing so well as a team and so efficient and so 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 together as a team. Mm. Um, you've got incredible incredible players in that in that forward line for Italy and through the midfield with class as well so so it is a very tricky game to call Mm. um but yeah 
for me personally, being very biased, I want Rom to do the business. <laughs> but, um, but it's so hard to see past Italy. So hard to see yeah. past Italy. Yeah, 100%. Um, and do you echo those sentiments, Dot, or do you do you have it a, a different way? Surely the, the whole Eden Hazard and yeah. KDB thing is is such a monumental uh, point in it. this. Yeah, I've always said it. I mean, you take away Kevin De Bruyne, you take away um, Eden Hazard, and Belgium go from a tier one team to a tier two team. So I think in this game they're going to be a tier two team. Mm. But although I've always said I think Italy will make the finals, I don't think Italy are an amazing team I just think they're the best out of everyone at the moment mm. and I said it previously you don't really want to peak too early in the tournament and I like the way Belgium have progressed they've been quiet you know they haven't played amazingly but they're getting better as each game goes on but just the lack of Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne for me is a big big blow mm. and I think that's why I'm favouring Italy in this game, I think the midfield battle is going to be important, but I think the most important battle is Romelu Lukaku against the Belgium defence because, I mean, against the Italy defence because mm. Romelu Lukaku, you know, he runs in behind, it's physical, but these Italy defenders, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're clever. They'll leave gaps, <laughs> let them run to the channels where they can't really create any danger. So... I think Italy are going to have enough to manage Belgium's attack because there's no De Bruyne and Hazard. I think if you added those two into the starting lineup, I think Belgium win this game. And I've always said it, anything other than the semi-finals for Belgium, for me, is failure. Because mm. for me, this year and next year at the World Cup is their last chance to win a major tournament. And this is their golden era. And there's going to be no guarantees that they're going to have an error like this in the future. Mm. So for me, Belgium have to win this game or else... Oh, this is going to be mm. tough for them to take. You, you mentioned something very interesting there, Dot, in terms of the midfield battle. Mm. Um, and particularly on the part of Italy, surely um, there is going to be quite a bit of selection headache for Robert, for, for Robert Mancini because he he's, he's whatever midfield he's played mm. have performed. You know, um, he's he's chopped and changed things. He's 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 had players come off on the bench and score, and 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 literally every single one of those midfielders are playing at the top of their at their powers at the moment. You've got Pessina, you've got Locatelli, you've got um, Verratti. You, you've got so so much to choose from in this game. Who would you say um, is is likely to start uh, in that in that midfield three of of, of Italy? Jorginho, I think, will start. Mm. I didn't even mention Jorginho. I forgot Jorginho. Yeah. (laughs) I think Verratti will start just for the big game know-how. And I think he'll probably stick with Barella again. But again, Mm. I don't... I sit here and I say on the ball, I think, wow, that midfield is amazing. But for me, the big thing in football is off the ball. What do you do off the ball? Do you Mm. stop those gaps from emanating? When... For example, the pace, the power, the technique of Kevin De Bruyne is running at you. Can you keep up with him? Mm. And for me, I don't think that midfield can keep up. But again, the big problem is Kevin De Bruyne is not playing. So Mm. I expect Italy to dominate this game in terms of possession. Mm. 100%. It, it does seem as though that that really is is the key thing, right? And we're going to have to obviously wait and see um, how things pan out. Um, 
uh, when the team news is announced later on. What's interesting, though, is if we go on the assumption that Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard um, aren't playing, how, how best do Belgium set up their midfield to try and get the most from, from the game? Is it that um, uh, Doku plays from the left to cause that threat on that, down that side? What you know? Do, do they push Tielemans f- further up the pitch? Like, how, how do you think um, they best circumnavigate the, the issues that they have? Ola? I think the um, I think it's actually a great shout out to shout out Doku. He's got some. He's got good. Uh, he's got good pace. He's got good fitness. He's he's very active. Mm. Tielemans can do an excellent job defensively when he's on mm. it. <laughs> he's not always on it, but when he's yeah. on it, he can do a great job. Um, I think we saw that in the FA Cup. He had a, a fantastic game. Obviously, he scored the winner. Um, but also in the defensive side, he was intercepting a lot of balls and he was active. Um, and Axel Witzel, when again, like when he's really on it, he's mm. incredible. So I think if you play those three, um, and then they set up a sort of team pressing, sort mm. of active pressing um, yeah. uh, scenario system where one person says, okay, right, we're going to press this player. And then we're, they're all three of them are going to press heavily and quickly. Mm. That could be possibly a way to navigate this Italy uh, midfield. But then mm. I say that, that AC midfield <laughs> is so press resistant. It's unbelievable. They're, They're all got on the ball. Quality. They're all They're so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so much quality. So like, so intercepting or taking the ball off of Marco Verratti and Jorginho. No, right. With Verratti, don't bother. Exactly. So I was thinking like, okay, how do I approach this? Because like, um, I was like, okay, yeah, like it's, it's obviously like a, uh, it's a football match. It's like counter punching and that type of thing. But literally yeah. I had nothing in my head. I was like, I don't actually think you can actually really tackle that midfield it's with anything be because they are so, so press resistant. It's really, I think, the retention of the ball and who has the most possession is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be, it really depends. It would either be, I think for me, it would be Italy, Italy dominating possession or it'd be free flowing and, and no real team holds on to it for more than 30 seconds mm-hmm. because they're both going for for penetrating passes um, um, because they can, <laughs> literally because they can. Yeah, like yeah. Belgium have to play penetrating passing and Italy have the quality too um, to do that. And I think that's going to be like one of their key points to to get at Belgium. Um, but it's going to be tricky for Belgium, man. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah. tricky. I think very quickly, last one before we move on. I'm just thinking from an England perspective, I've, I've got my England hat on again. And... I think Belgium's the only team that will beat England, if I'm being totally honest. So I think... Talk about nailing your colours to the mask. I I do think so. I just think that Belgium team, they're dangerous, man. They've got the quality, they've got the know-how, they've got world-class players all over the pitch. I think England will fancy their chances against everyone else in the tournament. Not saying England are going to beat everyone else Mm, in the tournament, mm, but mm, in mm. terms of fancying their chances, I think 100%. But I think that Belgian team, if Kevin De Bruyne are... Eden Hazard, Lukaku are all fully mm. fit. That's going to be a big issue. Uh, I mean, we've we've all mentioned the, the fact that the, this whole prediction thing hasn't really worked out for us so far this tournament because there's been upsets and things happening left, right and centre. And Spain has been oh. that team for me because <laughs> I, I, I've been saying, I've been saying, right, the, the first part of the tournament, they've seemed a bit toothless for all of their uh, dominance 
they just didn't seem like they had that cutting edge up front. And then last two games have been like, right, hold my beer. <laughs> and have become the first team uh, in European uh, championship history to score five plus goals in consecutive games, right? And all of a sudden, they've got... Um, I mean, the thing about it is, although they haven't got one prolific goal scorer, they've got goals from all over the all over the pitch, right? And and people that can chip in. So you've got Sarabia, you've got Morata, you've got Oyarzabal. Um, from the midfield, you know, you've got uh, uh, players that can chip in and stuff. And I think that's part of the reason why they've been so dangerous of, of, of late. And of course, going into the next game, you've got them who are free-flowing in their attacking play and scoring goals. But you've also got Switzerland who are riding the crest of a wave after knocking out, you know, the competition favourites in France. So that's a very interesting dynamic um, going into this game. And I, I, I guess I wanted to get your thoughts to kick off with with, with this one, Ola, on, on how you see this, this one going. This is a real clash of, of, of heavyweights to a certain extent, judging on their most recent performances. Exactly, exactly. Like um, what I think is either either Switzerland are going to have a headache, uh, a mm. hangover even from, from beat in France and, and the mm. joy of that, um, or it's going to be a goal fest and I want a goal fest. I want to see all the goals, famous tour at the sheet, scoring goals from all over the place in all sorts of manner. We've seen them score for, like a wild, wild goal from a crossfielder free kick. And we've seen them score some intricate goals, some mad goals, some incredible finishes. It could be insane. It could be a, a massive, massive battle uh, with hopefully three plus goals. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be Spain just saying, all right, hold this and just outclass in Switzerland as, they, as they're too hyped up from their last game. Um, it's going to be interesting regardless, regardless. Mm. Um, I think, I think the, I think Mbolo is obviously going to start. I think he's going to be very key, especially for the first, uh, first half of this match yeah. to, in terms of putting pressure on Spain as he has been doing for every single match that he's played. Mm. Um, I think, uh, I think, um, Oh my days, I'm forgetting his name because he needs to leave Arsenal. But granted, Xhaka, there we go. I think Xhaka <laughs> is going to mm. be um, key again. Um, his, his mentality has been insane. He's got the freedom and he's also got the, the ability to drop back and, def- and, mm. and help out his defence. Um, I think that's actually a key one, you know, Ola, because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he, because he picked up a yellow card in the game against France, I think he misses this game. Ooh. I think Granit so. Xhaka misses this game, and he was the man of the match in that in that France game. So that exactly. that obviously changes a lot, doesn't it? Exactly. No, if that if, if that's true, and if he misses out, it, it could be a little bit simpler actually in terms of prediction, <laughs> and it might really be like uh, Spain walking this. And I say walking, mm. they haven't looked amazingly convincing, but they have scored a bag of goals, and you can't discredit mm. that. They've got the ability to create, and they've got the ability to finish. So I think with that knowledge, I think this should be a bit easier to call. For Spain, but I say that with three gritted teeth because our predictions are all over the place. But that's what I'm thinking. And how about at your end, Doc? What I do you think, think you guys are sleeping. <laughs> I, I, I really do. <laughs> Spain's performance against Croatia was scary. It was because you go one nil down to a goal like that, a known goal, out of nowhere. Mentally, it is tough. Mm. And for them to come back and score five goals. That is, that's unreal. That was an amazing performance. Yes, 
I knew they had a few shaky defensive moments, but to score five goals against a good Croatia team, that's a statement. Mm. And for me, Spain over the years have been my number one team when it comes to watching because I love the way they play the game. I love the way they manipulate the ball, monopolise possession, you know, progressive passes. People like Thiago can't even get on the football pitch. That's how mm. stacked they are when it comes to midfield talent. But genuinely, like, I think Spain are growing into this tournament because, yes, at the beginning, they didn't look great. But I said it. I did say it. They're creating chances. And if you keep creating chances, eventually you're going to knock the goals in. Morata, what a finish against Croatia. Gets his goal. He's got his confidence. The crowd have taken to him. Like, they're in a good position. They're going to fancy their chances against Switzerland. And then it's potentially a semi-final. And we all know Spain over the years, once they start getting to the latter stages, it starts becoming really, really peak. So <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared of Spain. I know I'm scared about every single team, but for me, this is the team I love watching the most, mm. personally. Very, very interesting. I think, I think they're going to destroy Switzerland. <laughs> I do, I do. And and you don't think the inclusion of Xhaka changes that at all? You think it's just that that but, it, it will be what it will be? The way we're, we're mentioning Xhaka, you would think he's on the world's best midfielder. <laughs> obviously, I know he's pivotal to what Switzerland do, but I just think Spain are going to have too much in this game. I think a lot of people have question marks over their defence, but I think it's actually good. I think they had a bit of a blip against Croatia. But I think throughout the tournament, they've, they've defended well. Because when it was mm. 3-1, I thought that was game over because mm. I trust them defensively. But Croatia had a late surge, got two late goals, and fair enough, it happens. But, man, like, Rodri, Premier League winner, Thiago, I mean, one of the best midfielders mm. of this generation. They don't get in the football pitch. That's the kind of talent they have in Spain. And I just want to shout out Pedri because I think he's been the best young player of the tournament. He's been their main man. Anytime he's keeping Spain these guys out of the team that you mentioned. It's give Pedri the ball and Pedri makes things happen. So, yeah, yeah. It's scary. 100%. And I think just also on that point as well, Dot, on, on Pedri, why it's interesting because you spoke about the, the, the mentality to after going a goal down um, to, to come back and, and rally up the troops and, 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 and score that many goals. But he was heavily involved in that own goal. But after, he, he, the way he wanted the ball, he was like, he was like a man possessed. Like I had after to he was... check his age because because that performance, you can't do that when you're 18. It's not, that should be banned for 18 year olds. You can't, how are you performing like that? Like he's a ridiculous talent. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm certainly going to be looking forward to, to seeing him uh, again in that Spanish midfield. Um, okay, to round things up, we've obviously also got to um, chat about the game between Czech Republic and Denmark. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's been a great story for both of these nations, man, uh, up until this point, you know. And, and, and I think that the theme of... Um, there not being an infer inferiority complex with the smaller nations has been a theme of this tournament. Like all of the smaller nations that you would have typically expected to turn over and just allow the, the bigger nations to do with them what, what they please has not been the story of this tournament, you know? And these two are, are, are two such nations that have really just surprised so far in this, in, in, in this tournament. Now, five of the last six matches between the two of them um, have ended as draws. But again, I'm, I might just have egg on my face, but I'm saying, right, 
judging from the results that these guys have had recently, obviously Czech Republic winning 2-0 against Netherlands, Denmark 4-0 against Wales, surely that indicates that this game can't end in a, in a draw, another draw, surely not. But anyway... Let me know your thoughts on, on this one. Don't kick us off with this probably one. probably end in a 2-2 two, two draw. Not <laughs> draw. Um, I'm still shaking from that Denmark performance against Wales. Like, that was a punishing performance, man. Like, they, were, they were brilliant. I think in terms of quality, I think it's two evenly matched teams. I'm favouring with Denmark a bit because I just think that Christian Eriksen factor is just going to give them that extra edge to just run a bit more, to, mm. you know, drive a bit more, to finish more emphatically, to just be a little bit hungrier than Czech Republic. And I expect Denmark to probably nick it, but I do think it's an evenly matched game. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. I think it is like very easily, evenly poised. I think um, there's a potential for Czech Republic to end the fairy tale. Uh, which would be upsetting, but even if they do, I think if they'll do it in a manner that is it is entertaining and is high quality. I think mm. they've got the players to score real high quality goals um, and play a, a very professional football match. But like that Denmark dream, the passion, and also the quality as well. Casper had an incredible game mm. against Wales, and they've got mm. some incredible players there. Um, it is very very even. I don't want to say it, but I think this could be the game where Czech Republic crushes some dreams. Oh, why? I know. <laughs> I know. I spoiled it. <laughs> it's true, because Denmark have, have become the people's nation, isn't it? Yeah, really, it's yeah, like, yeah. you just want the love story to continue, ultimately. Um, but it I'm will be... I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. Come <laughs> <at> me, <it's> <laughs> cool. <laughs> 100%. Again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very, very interesting to watch. Uh, and I absolutely can't wait for later on this uh, this afternoon. Lovely way to, to end the week as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, just with some really, really nice fixtures uh, uh, over this uh, uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, we will um, await those. And of course, we'll be back again next week to um, review each of the fixtures in this round and to obviously then preview the, the semifinals um, so we're going to leave it there for now. Thank you very much for tuning in up until this point in time. Uh, thank you, gents, for sharing your views and your predictions and, 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 and how you see all of these fixtures going. Um, and until the next episode, we'll catch you then. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 